This is the Ellensburg Angler Podcast. Quote in. Quote in. <laughs> Stud on the squalor, baby. Oh, that was a big fish, dude. Woo! This is a six-pound fish, dude. I was like, oh, yeah, yep. At all costs, do not drink the water. <laughs> I was sitting in a ball in my boat with my hands in my armpits trying to stay warm. When yeah. I get hangry, yeah, fishing's done. done. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ellensburg Angler Podcast. This is Akaya Wilkinson with you here. We'll be running a little solo podcast episode today. I'm actually sitting down at the vice right now, tying up some bugs for a trip I have tomorrow morning. Uh, it's been a while. I apologize for the uh, major gap there in episodes. It's been a very busy fall for us, so we've been guiding um, pretty steadily. Uh, things are starting to slow down now as we're starting to cool off, kind of getting into uh, early November here. But throughout September, October, we were we're pretty busy. So we were on the water almost every day um, and fishing the <clears throat> Yakima River. Um, kind of give you guys an idea of what I'm doing right now. I'm actually tying up some pheasant tails. Um, this has been one of my best flies lately on the Yakima River. Um, we were kind of in our late fall transitioning into our winter fishing right now. And, uh, these pheasant tails have been working really well. I'd say the last couple of weeks, uh, we have a lot of insects that are out right now. Uh, we have our blueing olives. We have a variety of smaller caddis. We still have some large October caddis. Uh, we have mahogany duns out right now. So uh, a lot of things that these little pheasant tails can imitate, uh, I'm currently tying a size, what is it, size 16 jig hook with a faceted uh, slotted bead. That's tungsten, so it gets me down deep and quick. Uh, silver ribbing, I'm doing a uh, ice dub olive brown collar. Um, and then I have some CDC from some ducks that my buddies and I shot last weekend. And uh, that's been working really well. Uh, it's one of, one of my go-to bugs. I've actually just been running pheasant tails uh, the last few weeks. Uh, well, I'd say the last week or so, just pheasant tails. Um, running like a big pheasant tail, like the size 16 that I'm fishing, or tying now. And then running maybe a little bit smaller pheasant tail behind that, or maybe a different size. And then behind that, running an even smaller pheasant tail, maybe an unweighted or lightly weighted one. Well, so it's not dragging on the bottom with all those pheasant tails. So... If you don't, if you uh, can uh, kind of get the hint here, they are eating pheasant tails right now. So I've just been tying up a ton of them. Um, I've also found that the more CDC that you have on the collar seems to trap more of an air bubble, and that seems to make a huge difference on uh, how the fish react to it. They seem to be getting a lot of fish the more CDC that you have. So if you're a fly tire, whip up some of those pheasant tails. I do not know how much longer these pheasant tails are going to be productive on the Yakima. Uh, it seems like, you know, you get on a pattern for a week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks, and then all of a sudden you stop catching fish on it, and you got to figure out what they're eating again. I don't know if it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the insect life and how the river and weather changes, kind of what the, what insects are hatching, what insects are not hatching, as that hatch slowly dies, you got to figure out what those fish want next. 
And so we also had a very, well, I won't say very, we had a bump in flows. Uh, we've had a lot of fluctuating water this fall, so we're making things a little, a little interesting. Um, this last one, I want to say that Umtanum, let me check and pull it up here. Uh, Umtanum was, I think, sitting at under 1200 CFS. It was pretty low. Um, yeah, it was looking at was about 1150 um, as of a couple days ago. And right now it is at 1800 and it does look like it's maybe cresting. Um, the gauge up at Horlick above that has crested. Um, so what happened is we got a lot of rain in the Tianaway, it looks like. And maybe, some, maybe a little bit of snow melt and uh, change in temperature, the rain, everything. Uh, kind of blew out the Tianaway and that pushed a lot of water into the Yakima. And so we're just starting to feel the tail end of that because the Tianaway gauge is going down. Horlick is kind of uh, peaking. So that means here in the canyon, it should be on the drop tomorrow. Now, Todd went down to Ringer today and said that the water was pretty clean. Uh, really wasn't much of a temperature change. I, I saw Rich at the Uting Hatch posted a video at Irene. It just looks like the water went up. It doesn't look like it got very dirty. So uh, that could be a little shakeup to the system again. Um, I don't know if those same insects are going to be hatching that were hatching two days ago uh, when I was out. I don't, it might be kind of the start of our worm season. Uh, a lot of times when that water goes up, it flushes out a lot of those aquatic worms and the fish really start keying in on those San Juans, those squirmy wormies, kind of your chenille worm patterns, um, something kind of bright and wiggly. So I might be, might be throwing those tomorrow. Um, kind of start out with my old standby doing this pheasant tail. Um, haven't been getting as many fish on the pat, so that's kind of our go-to bug uh, on the Yakima. But I'd say in the last week or so, I haven't really caught a ton of fish on the pat. So I've just kind of taken that off, fishing some other options, something a little bit smaller. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, pheasant tails, pats, break out the worm patterns. I'll definitely be fishing a few worms tomorrow to see if the fish are keying in on them. Uh, your little blueing olive patterns, like your WD-40s, uh, sometimes your zebra midges, sometimes those um, uh, psycho maze. Those are all really good patterns to fish as well. A little bit smaller, maybe as a, a back fly if you're fishing two or three nymphs. Um, that is imitating those blueing olives, and that can that can provide some pretty successful days as well. Um uh, surprisingly, one thing I've, I've kind of watched and learned from this fall is timing the insects, um, even if they're subsurface, kind of timing when their hatch is going to be. So um, it seemed like in the mornings I wasn't doing as well on like the blueing olive patterns. So like the WD-40s, I was doing better on some other things. Um, and then kind of like right before the hatch is going to start. So, you know, it seems like if it's going to go, it's going to go between about one and like three-ish. And so I would actually start fishing those WD-40s, you know, those uh, blooming olive patterns, maybe an hour or two before the hatch when things are starting to get active subsurface. And I, was, I wasn't actually fishing them in the morning. So it's like a pre-hatch kind of thing. Um, but you can still find them in the mornings. I had a day, was it three or four? I think it was three or four days ago where they were actually eating blueings in the morning. And that was our hot bug all day. Next day, didn't catch anything on it. So kind of changes from day to day. Got to figure out what they want. Again, it all changes with the weather. We went from a hot October in the start 
kind of got hot and cold, hot and cold. It got really cold at the end of October, early November. There was a morning I was on the water and it was absolutely freezing. Uh, my anchor system froze. I was cold. Um, the guys fishing with was cold. It was kind of a slower day because of the weather change, but uh, we had another cool down the last couple days. We had the rain, the river's kind of going up, cresting, so a whole bunch of variables going in there is basically what I'm getting at. That could change up the whole uh, whole system. Could be for the better, could be for the worse. Kind of the start of our winter season, I think. Um, most of our trips, we've been running in the canyon. That uh, seems to be some of the better water uh, personally, I think when the flows drop, uh, there's some really nice deep runs, deep holes in the upper stretch of that canyon, uh, below ringer. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I do, and I know some of our other guides do is we relapse, um, in the canyon. So we'll fish through a hole. Um, if we hook a fish, if we don't hook a fish and we know we've hooked fish in there in the past, we will fish our way through the hole we will row over to the side, row our way back up, and then fish through it again. Uh, maybe a different line or the same line, depending on uh, if we touch anything in the first trip. And that has proven to be pretty successful. Uh, it is a little bit more rowing uh, or walking if you get out of the boat. But it can be very beneficial if those fish are potted up in certain areas. Um, if... Uh, you're finding fish in a, a single hole this time of year since the water is so low and so clear. Those fish are kind of tending to like hold in those certain areas. And I, I'm honestly finding a lot of fish in several holes and kind of spread out after that. So I've actually been doing a float from like ringer to mile marker 20 is a full day. I'm taking almost eight hours to float that five mile stretch because I'm fishing through a run, rowing back up, fishing through it again rowing back up, fishing through it again. Uh, there's sometimes I'm running like seven or eight drifts in one hole. And it's just because I'm finding fish in there stacked up and I want to hit those exact same fish because I know that once I get through those deeper runs, once I'm getting kind of more towards bighorn and down, I know that there's not a lot of deep water for those fish to really stack up in. So take your time. If you're finding fish, stay there, find more, and you might find some more fish. Uh, the only problem with that is if I'm going down and I want to hit the blueing olive hatch, there's not as much good blueing water in that section. Um, when the fish are eating those blueings or when the blueings are hatching, the blueings kind of hatch in those rock garden areas where they've got a lot of structure. It's a little bit shallower and faster. So it all kind of depends on if I'm wanting to hit that hatch or not, how long I take uh, nymphing in those deeper runs. Um, if it's a nice day or I think they might be hatching like uh, a cloudy day a cool day uh, I might go down to like um tandem and try to hit some of those rock gardens not row so many laps and try to get some dry fly fishing in and that kind of that last half of that float uh, a couple days ago I uh, actually had good dry dropper fishing I had clients we were nymphing and kind of want to try something different so we went to a dry dropper and that actually proved to be very successful um, after those deeper runs uh, there weren't a lot of fish rising to blueings um, so we put on a chubby the good old chubby chernobyl and uh, dropped off a, um, a pheasant tail off of that and in those areas where maybe a nymph rig was too deep this dry dropper rig i was able to we were able to get it tight into the rocks tight into structure 
and not have to worry about getting stuck or losing as many flies. And that actually proved to be pretty pretty productive all the way from those deeper runs and that upper part all the way through uh, to the takeout. So uh, if you're losing bugs, if maybe you want to try a little bit higher up in the water column, uh, throw that dry dropper on. And even if you want to have an opportunity at catching a fish on top, we did have, I think, five or six eats on the surface on that chubby because there are still those October caddis flying around. Um, it's just a buggy pattern, that chubby. So, I mean, those fish are used to seeing big bugs all year. Maybe they're just thinking it's another big bug. They can eat one last time. So if you want to have an opportunity catching a fish on a big dry, try a dry dropper with that chubby and drop off a nymph like that pheasant tail. Um, if you uh, want to throw anything different than a pheasant tail, you know, you can throw a hare's ear, you can throw a pats, uh, you can throw a WD-40, a psycho may if you wanted to. Uh, it's just a lot more productive and efficient if that dropper is either a heavily weighted pats or um, a pretty heavily weighted tungsten nymph that'll sink uh, really well through that water column. So try fishing that. Uh, if you're fishing the dry dropper, I like to fish like a, honestly, like a five and a half to max seven foot leader to my dry. Um, and then I'm fishing, honestly, four-ish feet to a dropper so i'm fishing a really long dropper and that's why i'm fishing such a short leader to my dry fly because i know it's gonna be a giant hinge if i have a nine foot leader to a dry and then an extra four feet to a nymph so i go short leader to the dry long leader to the nymph and that's a fluorocarbon tippet that i am dropping off of that chubby to that nymph to kind of help it sink through the water a little bit better um <clears throat> For the nymph game right now, um, I'm fishing weight uh, usually, so I'm fishing indicator, and then I'm fishing down maybe maybe two feet to a weight, and then about a foot and a foot and a half behind that, I will tie on my first bug, and then after that, I'll go maybe a foot to a second, and then a foot to a third bug, kind of depending on how deep the fish are, uh, kind of what the water conditions are, how deep I think they're they're holding. Uh, so that's been my nymph setup. For dries, if I'm strictly fishing two dries or a dry because I'm in the bluing olive hatch, I will usually start with a nine foot leader tied straight directly into a purple haze. So that might be like a size 14, that might be like a size 16, something a little bit bigger so I can see it, so the clients can see it. And then off the back end of that, I'll tie a section of 5X tippet to uh, a second dry, some other kind of maybe uh, a cripple or uh, emerging bluing olive that's slightly behind it that I might not be able to see as well, but that I um, you might be able to see a fish like rise and take that fly if you can still see your front fly, if that makes sense. I like to fish two dries, gives the fish two different options. And a lot of times that first fly is honestly just there. So you kind of know where that second fly is. If it's sitting a little bit lower in the surface. So try that. Um, I, we haven't had like a lot of great blooming olive fishing like we did last year. I have had uh, at least one or two days that were fairly decent. Uh, one really good day. And uh, I was fishing two dries. Saw fish rising in the rock gardens. Pulled up, dropped anchor. And we casted to those specific rising fish, kind of that upstream angle of kind of fishing um, across and slightly down so we get a nice drag-free grift to the steady risers, kind of like we're fishing to those caddis in like May and June. Uh, one thing that I noticed is that if 
um, the client missed a fish or the fish uh, refused to fly and after several drifts they weren't even rising to it um, I started switching out my two dries so let's say I start with the purple haze and let's say just like a regular hackle atoms and maybe the client missed the fish or maybe the fish kind of didn't like it and would kind of swirl at it um, after a while I take those two off and maybe I'd put on um, some other type of like high vis bluing pattern with a um, like a, a cripple trailer and then those fish would seem to rise to that eat that for a few minutes and then after they saw that for a while they'd go down and then I put on two other small nymph patterns and that, that's kind of how I run my bluing all of fishing for dries is I'll run several different patterns until I figure out exactly what they want or until we finally catch one on a different pattern they're not used to seeing. So keep that in mind. Uh, when they're rising to bluings, it seems like they're kind of in those rock garden areas where there's seam lines, foam lines, kind of big rocks. That uh, seems like where those insects kind of kind of hatch out from and where those fish like to hide and intercept them on those kind of easier to get places when those seams and those those rocks where they can just come up, eat them and go back to their hidey hole because again, it's it's low and shallow. So uh, look for the rock gardens, look for structure. Uh, when you're nymphing, I'm looking for, like I said, deep runs. I'm looking for middle of the river a lot of times. I'm looking around submerged structure. Although don't be surprised, I have been finding fish in tailouts and on the edge of those deeper runs and those bigger holes uh, and some surprisingly shallow water this time of year. So uh, don't be surprised and don't be afraid to fish somewhere you think might be too shallow because you never know there might be a fish there. Um, fish like transitions from the shallow kind of the, the start of a run as it drops into a pool fishing from that shallow to deep and then again on that tail out fishing deep to shallow uh, those fish will kind of key in on those areas um trying to think of anything else there is a little bit of streamer fishing going on i haven't done it a ton i know that some people have and they've been catching a few fish i've been seeing a ton of sculpins in the water so if you guys are into streamer fishing uh, don't be afraid to throw on some kind of like Sculptzilla, some kind of sculpin-y looking tan yellowish pattern because there's a lot of those sculpin and those bigger fish especially are going to be starting to pack on the weight for winter because they know it's going to get cold and they're going to want to eat those bigger meals that those uh, streamers or those bait fish provide. So if you want to throw streamers, you can throw something big at the bank with a sink tip or a, uh, swing as trout spay, get out of the boat a little bit. Um... <clears throat> With that, that's kind of what the fall fishing has been, what it is right now on the Yakima River. I guess I should say today is November 6th. Uh, it's a Friday night, getting ready for the uh, trip tomorrow. There's going to be several of us out. So if you're going out this weekend, I hope this episode helped you guys kind of plan, maybe think about where you're going. Again, it is the river... Okay, it's high right now. It looks like it's on the drop, and it should be dropping back <clears throat> kind of to where it was, probably in the mid-1,000s uh, CFS here by early to uh, mid-week next week, kind of back to where we were. Bring those pheasant tails. Bring your pats. Bring your bluing patterns. Bring your worms. Again, I would not be surprised if they are eating worms tomorrow, so... If they are, I'm going to be pretty excited because I like fishing worm patterns. Uh, it is going to be cold if you go out this weekend, so pack your thermal underwear. 
uh, pack some extra socks, pack some gloves, put moisture on or uh, moisturizer on your hands. I can't tell you how cracked my hands are because I've been out in the cold and it sucks. So if you're gonna be out in the cold, put skin moisturizer on your hands, chapstick, those, all those things you don't think about will greatly come in handy if you're spending very much time outside when it's cold. Also hot hands, gloves, ear warmers, uh, whatever you need to stay comfortable because the more you're, the more comfortable you are, the longer you'll stay out and the longer you stay out, the greater chances you are of finding fish. So if you're going out this weekend, good luck. Might see you out there, tight lines. Let us know how you do. If you listen to the episode, if there's any of this stuff helped you, any of this advice, why don't you leave a review for us? Let us know what you use and how it worked for you. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, or you can even shoot us a DM on Instagram. We really appreciate the feedback. Um, let us know if this information helped you. Uh, also, let us know how we're doing. If you like this kind of platform, uh, what do you want to hear in the future? I know we're going to have some things lined up as things slow down now in the winter. So if you've mentioned anything in the past, we will try to cover that here in the next couple of months. So. Tight lines, everybody. Let us know how you did. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Tight lines, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Submit your questions on our social media to get answered on an episode by your hosts, Keegan and Kyle. As always, tight lines, and we will catch you on the next episode.